Uh, if you haven't had the chance to, to meet me or, or to know my name, my name is David. I'm on uh, staff here. I'm the small groups director at Severn. And today, I get the privilege of continuing our series that we're in called Confidence. Uh, we're currently in week three. And uh, what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the words of Jesus uh, that he spoke to his disciples uh, the night before he was going to be crucified. And uh, Jesus basically gave them a training session uh, that would be why they could have confidence as they went through life and faced all the difficulties that uh, inevitably come when we, when we follow Jesus and even as, as we go through life. And uh, the reasons that, that Jesus gave for confidence uh, weren't just for the disciples there in the room that day or that night. Um, they're actually for anyone who would ever follow Jesus. And uh, they're the reason we can have confidence as we go through this life and as we follow him. And um, what we've looked at so far in this series is that we've looked at, first off, the first reason for confidence we can have is uh, we can have confidence in the future hope that Jesus has secured for us and that he's preparing a place for us. Next, we looked at the confidence we can have in the love that God has for us. And today we're going to look at the third reason for confidence that we see in John 14, which is prayer. It's the third reason for confidence that, off that Jesus offers, up his, offers us is prayer. And I'm going to read verses uh, 12 through 14 of John 14. I'll just go through it. It's just three verses, so I'll read it here. <clears throat> this is Jesus talking, and he says, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So uh, there's a lot in these three verses, and, uh, and prayer is an interesting topic because it's actually uh, the most common spiritual practice in America, at least, maybe the world. But in America, studies have shown that uh, a Barna research from 2017 showed that 79% of Americans have claimed to have prayed at least once within the past three months. And then uh, Pew Research shows that 55% of Americans claim to pray every single day. And I wanted to actually read you a, a quote from the uh, editor-in-chief of Barna. This is Roxanne Stone in regards to the research they did from 2017. She said, Prayer is by far the most common spiritual practice amongst Americans. The vast majority of Americans, no matter their religious affiliation or non-affiliation, participate in some kind of prayer activity. Uh, then, she, then she talked a little bit about some of the questions they were asking, like who are people praying to? How do they define prayer? What do they pray about? And she says, what we found gives us a much more nuanced portrait of the American prayer life, the most notable aspect of which is its individual quality. People pray mostly alone. It is a solitary activity defined primarily by the immediate needs and concerns of the individual. <clears throat> so the reason I wanted to kind of start here is because when you have a conversation about prayer, it's worth noting that there's a lot of different ways that people think about prayer. There's a lot of differing views on who we're even praying to or why we should pray. So when you hear me read this verse out of John 14 where Jesus says, you know, ask me anything in my name and I'll do it, you might have thought that was kind of strange. You know, like, wait, wait a minute, why is Jesus giving us this blank check to just get whatever we want? And I would just say that when we hear it that way, it's, it's probably largely due to the fact that we're hearing this verse, we're hearing this promise through our American lens of prayer, which, again, as the research shows, is defined primarily by the immediate needs and concerns of the individual. Now, I want to be clear that making requests of God, definitely a good thing. God tells us to do that, make our requests known to God. And the idea of requesting prayer or of asking God for things or to do things is actually one of the primary types of prayer that we see all through his word. But if we hear this promise from John 14, 
through the lens that the main purpose of prayer is just to meet our immediate needs and our concerns on our timeline, <clears throat> then we actually won't get any confidence from this passage. What will happen is you'll have this genie-in-a-bottle view of prayer, and you'll actually be very unconfident in your prayer. You'll feel like you're playing the lottery when you pray because you and I have all had, ex we've all had experiences where we've prayed for something and we didn't get it. So anyone can pray. A lot of people do pray. But what makes the difference between the confident type of prayer that Jesus is talking about here and just feeling like you're playing the lottery or just worrying in God's direction? So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to look at three things we see in this passage that makes that difference. It's three things that we need to know that we can see here, and, and they are, uh, first, we need to know who we're talking to. Second, we need to know why we can talk to him. And third, we need to know what our purpose is. So the first thing we're going to look at <clears throat> from this passage that we need to know if we want to have well, both confidence in prayer and through prayer is we need to know who we're talking to. And I'm actually going to read verses uh, 13 and 14 again for us. Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. <clears throat> now this might sound needlessly obvious, but you are not going to have steadfast confidence in prayer if you don't know who you're talking to. Because what Jesus says here in this passage, he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He's not just extolling the benefits of a prayer life or saying that, hey, if you pray, you'll be, have more peace, you'll, you know, peace of mind, that sort of thing. He's saying confidence can be had when you talk to me. That's what Jesus said there. And I want to spend a minute just kind of talking about kind of a couple of ways we can answer this, this who question when we're thinking about who we pray to. And, and uh, I'm going to look at two wrong ways and then uh, one right way. So... A lot of people actually uh, pray to just the kind of generic idea of a deity, just some generic deity. Some people just pray to the universe. And um, the issue with this, there's some issues with this way of praying. Uh, first off is that the universe can't hear or talk. It can't help you when you're going through hard things. But the issue with a generic idea of a deity is that if there is a God, uh, he would be, or that God would be, a specific way. He would have characteristics that were you know, defined him that were specific that we didn't decide because if it's just this generic God that exists, and basically we just determine what he's like, and what that means is we're God because we created this God. <laughs> so we're his creators. That means we're God. So in its best form, this type of prayer, you're simply talking to yourself. And positive self-talk actually does have some benefits. I was reading articles about positive self-talk. I actually process things out loud a lot, so I'm aware of this. But um, positive self-talk can lead you to uh, be able to think through major decisions, can help you organize your thoughts, can help you question maybe unhealthy mindsets. However, self-talk is not the same thing as prayer. Because self-talk, you'll never really have the confidence that Jesus is talking about here, because if we're being honest, sometimes you might be doing pretty good and, and self-talk will be great for you. But if we're being honest, you and I have some major limitations. It doesn't take much more than one phone call with bad news or one germ getting loose in your body, or if you're me, missing like two hours of sleep, and you're, we're completely unhinged. That's all it takes. We have major limitations. So this way of praying, just it's not sufficient. It's not going to provide the confidence that we need to get through this life and through the things we're going to face in this life. Self-talk, self-reliance, it's not going to work. The second common issue that we see when we're kind of around answering this question of who we're praying to is probably where a lot of us in here would fall today. It's that we're praying to God but we have a really inaccurate view of who God is. This would also encompass people who follow a different religion 
and claim there's, there's one God, but they, they have an inaccurate view of what he's like. Because again, if there is a God, if there is a real God, he is a specific way. But what is he like? Because if you view God as this angry, vindictive, disappointed, waiting for you to live up to the, his expectations kind of God, you're not going to pray with confidence. You're always going to be wondering if you've done enough so that he'll hear you, and, and you're not going to run to him whenever you've made a mistake. And if you see God as this distant, kind of carefree, not really interested kind of God, you probably just won't pray at all. You know, what's the point? Why bother? He doesn't care. And I'm not saying that anyone here today or that I have this perfect, accurate view of God, but there is such a thing as having a more accurate view of God. And the, mo the more accurate a view of God that we have, to the degree we have that correct view of God, the more confidence we'll have in and through prayer. Which leads me to the kind of the third way that we can answer this question, which is the correct way, is that we can answer this question of who we're praying to, praying to by looking at how God has revealed himself in his word. Because if you look here, um, in God's word, you'll see a lot of different ways that he's described. The ways he's described himself, ways that other people describe him, ways he's revealed himself. But if you've ever read through God's word, you know sometimes there's challenges there too. So for example, in Exodus 34, God is actually describing himself. And here's what he said. He said he's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished. So even when we jump into God's word sometimes, we see these tensions and we're like, okay, well, God, what mood are you in today? Are you the gracious, loving, kind God when I talk to you? Or are you the just God who won't let the guilty go unpunished? Because I feel kind of guilty today. And of course, the answer is he's both. And this is where Jesus comes in and why Jesus is so important because it's the fact that Jesus took the punishment for the guilty, for you and me, it's the fact that he took that punishment that you and I can have complete access, unhindered access to the compassionate, gracious, loving forgiveness of God. And whenever you look in Hebrews, Jesus is actually called the exact expression of God's nature. So what this means is that in his kindness, God has revealed himself in a way that you and I, we can, we can understand. He revealed himself as a person. He's speaking our language. So if you're wondering, who am I talking to when I pray? the easiest place to start is by looking at Jesus. That's why Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask me in my name, I will do it. So he's claiming to be God in the flesh. So looking at Jesus is how we know who we're talking to because we're talking to him. But what I want to be clear on is I'm not saying that you have to have a perfect understanding of who God is or he won't hear you. That's not what I'm saying today. In that case, none of us would be heard ever. What I am saying is that it does matter whether or not you're talking to the real God. And the more that you know him, the more confidence you will have in and through prayer. So uh, a few weeks ago, uh, my car broke down. And I own a 2001 Nissan Sentra. So every single week, I could say, last week my car broke down. <laughs> I have gotten very used to my car broken down, breaking down. The days that it works are surprising to me. I'm like, hey, I'm getting somewhere. You know, I'm rolling down the road. Uh, but anyways, I was leaving church. So it was on a Sunday. Leaving church, I was going to go to Giant right here on Newcut Road and then head home. <clears throat> and I was going down Newcut Road where it's kind of hilly, and it just turned off. I was driving and it just, just turned off. So uh, I'm so used to breaking down, I wasn't even surprised. I was like, oh, of course. And just kind of kept, kind of kept rolling, and I was like, I could probably, I had some speed. It's like, I could probably just coast to university, drive, and that's a great place to get towed. I could give an address. Like, I was thinking all this through because I've broken down so many times. I'm really good at it. Anyway, so I pulled into... University Drive, stopped right next to a house that, so I could give them the address. And then I made a phone call. 
and I called none other than our very own Pastor Ryan Cox. And uh, the reason I called Ryan is, one, he's my friend. Uh, two, he had left only a few minutes before me, so I knew he was probably still driving. Uh, three, we lived near one another. And uh, four, he's a nice guy. Uh, five, he's a pastor, so he was going to feel guilty if he said no. Uh, <laughs> so, so I called Ryan, and uh, because he's a good friend, picked up the phone. He was almost home all the way, but he uh, turned around, came back, got me, and gave me a ride home. Uh, but why do I tell you all this? You know, the reason I tell you this is because the degree to which you know who you're reaching out to will impact how confident you are in their response. So I knew all those things about Ryan, so I could call him reasonably sure that he was going to give me a ride. If, I, if, if, you're like the, if you're basically praying to someone who you don't know who they are, or you don't know anything about who you're praying to, you're praying to some generic God, it would not have been any more ridiculous than me sitting there on my phone when I broke down and just dialing random numbers and expecting to get help or like feel any confidence in that phone call when I dialed some guy in Oklahoma who's just sitting there like, I'm sorry, buddy, I can't help you. <laughs> like, who are you? But whenever I have even reasonable amount of confidence calling another human to get a ride, how much more confidence should we have whenever we know that the person we're talking to when we pray is Jesus, the creator of the universe, who loves you enough to die for you? That's when we can have confidence to say like the psalmist, that, you know, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's when we have confidence in prayer. <clears throat> so that's the first thing. The first thing we need to know that we can see from this passage to have confidence in prayer is that we need to know who we're talking to. Secondly, we need to know why we can talk to them. So I'm actually going to read verses 13 and 14 again, but I'm going to emphasize a different part of it. <clears throat> so Jesus said, Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So we're not going to spend as much time on this idea as the first one, but it's vital for us to understand that <clears throat> when Jesus adds the phrase in my name to that promise, he's adding a condition. But before I get into that condition, um, I think it's easy. In my mind, I always want to jump to the conditions of the promise and try to prevent any misunderstanding. And, uh, and I can actually, to a fault, uh, forget to pause for a second and recognize how amazing this promise is that Jesus just made. So did you recognize what Jesus just said in this passage? He says, you ask, I do. Which, when you think about it, that's pretty crazy. Jesus is saying that in some mysterious way, our prayers can affect action in God. And I don't want to move past that too quick. Just, I'm going to pause for a second, but we are going to move on. So when Jesus says, in my name, what he's not giving us is some magical incantation that we just tack on to the end of all our prayers, and it makes them happen. You know, in Jesus' name, amen. And then we're like, I did it. You know, it's going to happen, boys. I said the words. It's not wrong to say that at the end of your prayer. Please don't feel bad later today if you say that at the end of your prayer. But that's not what it is. It's so much more than that, to pray in Jesus' name. Because what it means is that when we pray in Jesus' name, we're approaching God, not based on our name or our accomplishments or our worthiness or our plans or our purposes, but solely in the name of Jesus. Solely in the name of his worthiness and his purposes. And what's, what this means kind of at its core is first it's an understanding of, of who we are. Because whenever you've, it means you're a Christian if you're praying in Jesus' name because you've put your faith in Jesus and therefore been given the right to be adopted as a child of God. So you understand that to pray in Jesus' name means that's the only reason you have access to Jesus. But it also means you're coming in Jesus' name in the way that an ambassador would come and that it's for his purposes, not, not just our own. 
But it's so easy for us to accidentally or naturally slip into praying based on our own name. And I don't mean that I think people are at home saying, you know, like, in David's name, amen. Like, I don't think you're doing that every day. But it's much more subtle than that. And here's a few kind of red flags, ways we can see that we're praying in our own name. Uh, The first would be, if when you mess up, you don't want to talk to God, and you don't want to pray to him, you don't want to go to him, because you'd rather wait until you cleaned yourself up a little bit, or there was at least some more space between your last mistake and your next prayer. Because what that means is then, when you approach God, you do it based on how you're doing, on your works, on your merit, on your worthiness. So that's a red flag for us, if, if you feel that. It's a red flag that you struggle with praying in your own name, and I think we all can struggle in this. Another way we can do this is whenever we come to God and we get angry at God, when he doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to, because we've done all these things for him. We basically lay our service down before God as this demand that he respond a certain way to our prayers. That's us telling God, I'm praying in my name. I did all these things for you, now you do this for me. And then another way we can do this is simply by really all of our prayers being focused around our plans and our purposes, and all of our things, but never about the work of Jesus in the world. And the reason this can be such a problem for us is that we will not have the confidence Jesus is talking about in this promise, and we really shouldn't have the confidence that Jesus is talking about if we're just approaching God based on how well we're doing, on our worthiness, on our work, on our plans, because, again, it's only because of what Jesus has done that we actually have access to even talk to God, but much, much less have him actually not only hear us, but actually act on that. And you'll always be worrying, you'll always be wondering, have I done enough? Have I said the right words? Have I been good enough to God for God to hear me today? Or have I been bad enough to where he won't hear me today? And, and the reason we have confidence is because it doesn't depend on that. It doesn't depend on us. <clears throat> now, the, uh, the third thing I want to look at from this passage, the third thing we need to know. So first, we need to know who we're talking to. Secondly, we need to know why we're talking to him. And the third thing we need to know if we're going to have confidence in and through prayer is what our purpose is. So I'm actually going to read all three verses again here. <clears throat> Starting in verse 12 through verse 14. Jesus said, I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, So you might have noticed this the first time you read through it. You might have noticed it that time, maybe not. But Jesus kind of surrounds this promise that he'll do what we ask. He surrounds it with a very specific context and purpose. So the context of what Jesus is talking about here is his work in the world. He says that those who follow him will do his works. Where Basically, his followers will continue his work in the world. And then he gets the purpose of, of all this promise and what he's talking about here. He says, so that the Father might be glorified in the Son. So what Jesus is doing here is he's tying this promise of answered prayer directly to the purpose that his followers exist on this planet. Which, if you're not sure what that is, what that is is to continue the work of Jesus in the world for the glory of God. And what the work of Jesus was, was bringing salvation to a lost world that needed him. And he came down as the Savior. Our work is pointing people to the Savior through the way we talk and through the way we live. So our work is just continuing exactly what Jesus started when he was here. And that's the the context and the purpose that really has to shape our understanding of this promise. And the reason this is so important is if you think, or if I think, that our purpose in life is just to be comfortable or to be happy, 
<clears throat> then we're not going to pray with confidence because we'll just be disappointed. We'll ask God for things that, you know, we'll just be disappointed by how it goes when we pray about them. But when we understand this context and this purpose for why we exist, it'll completely reshape the way that we pray because we'll be seeing it through the correct lens. So uh, when I was younger, <clears throat> I really loved watching war movies, uh, specifically like World War II movies. Uh, I watch a lot less now because I used to live with three brothers. Now I live with my wife and young children. So a lot less war movies that I get to watch nowadays. But in World War II movies especially, there's always the radio guy. And if you ever watch war movies, you know the radio guy is never the coolest, and he's never an action hero. He usually has the government-issued glasses, and it's, he doesn't always make it through the whole movie. So, but anyways, his radio is always vital. His radio is vital, and oftentimes the bigger challenges in the movie will surround whether or not the radio is working. So if it's not working, there's a whole bunch of problems that would have been solved if it was working. Um, and when it is working, they can call in life-saving air support or, you know, medical evacuation, that sort of thing. <clears throat> but consider with me, do a little thought experiment with me for a second, and think about the difference between uh, these two types of calls. So think about the difference between a radio call of a soldier storming the beach of Normandy and a room service call of someone staying at a hotel on a beach, maybe Normandy. You can obviously use your own imagination, but I'll give you a couple of differences that might there might be between those two calls. So the soldier storming the beach, the radio call might be more along the lines of, hey, here's the status of the mission. Uh, give us an update from the higher-ups. What do we do next? Coordinate with other units. Figure out how, what steps that are like, needed to take to actually pull off this mission. The call from room service might simply just be checking on the status of your, of your crab cake you know, that you ordered half hour ago and haven't seen yet. The call from a radio guy might be more about calling in life-saving medical support for somebody who has a critical wound. Call from room service might just be to complain about the crab cake because it wasn't as good as the ones you make and they cost too much anyways. But the reason I mention this is because the context, the way you understand your context and your purpose will completely change the nature of the call. So when we understand our purpose, it will completely change the way that we pray. So the question for, for you and for me is, are you living life as though it's a vacation that you need to enjoy as much as possible before it's over? Or do you see your life as continuing the work of Jesus in the world to bring glory to God? Because, that, again, that will completely change the way you pray. I think when we understand that context and that purpose for our lives, we'll begin to pray more like the believers from Acts chapter 4, who, when they were threatened by the authorities and told to stop talking about Jesus, what they prayed for was boldness, that they would keep talking about Jesus. And they prayed that they would get to see God work in the world. And, and notably, they didn't pray that the difficulty or persecution would end. And I think the reason for that is they understood their context as followers of a crucified Savior. They knew that their Savior was crucified. Of course, there was going to be problems. Of course, there were going to be challenges. But the reason they could pray with confidence is because they also knew they were followers of a resurrected Savior. So they knew that when they prayed that God's work be done in the world, that that was going to happen, even if it cost them their lives. Even if, even if things didn't look great, they had confidence. They knew that was going to happen because they had seen a, their Savior be, be killed and be resurrected. And they understood their purpose as continuing his work in the world. Now, when you hear a teaching on prayer like this, so we've talked about you know, three things we need to know 
in order to pray with confidence and have confidence, you know, through prayer. You know, we talked about we need to, we need to know who God is, you know, who we're talking to. We need to know why we can talk to him, and we need to know what our purpose is. When you hear this kind of teaching on prayer, if your mind goes down the, the route of simply like, okay, i got to try harder. i gotta, I got to pray more. I just want to just ask you to ask, just kind of, when you're thinking about application, trying to think through what do I take home from this, think just a little bit differently. I would just ask you to, to ask yourself this question. Just ask, what kind of person do I need to become to pray with a heart that's in line with God's? So not, I need to try harder, but what kind of person do I need to become to pray with a heart that's in line with God's? Because when you ask yourself that question, you think through that, you'll come with, you probably come up with different answers than simply, I need to try harder. For one, if, you, if you're going to be able to pray in line with the heart of God, you need to know who God is. So maybe, for you, the answer is, I don't think I have a clear picture of who I'm talking to. So maybe the solution isn't just try really hard to pray. It's you need to look at God's word and do a study on the character of who God is. And you need to look at Jesus, who's the exact expression of who God is. And then you'll pray differently because you'll begin to see who this person is that you're actually talking to. Or maybe for you, you think, hey, I already, I know a lot of facts about God, but, but I don't feel like I know him or I don't really know why he would want to listen to me or why I should get to talk to him. If that's where you're at, then, then you need to basically further grasp what it means to pray in Jesus' name. You need to understand what an identity of a Christian actually is. It's someone who is completely adopted and accepted and has access in Jesus' name. So maybe that's where you need to focus your attention. What does it mean? What's, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does this in Jesus' name thing mean? Or maybe for you, you just never really feel the need to pray because you're a pretty capable person. You, know? you just don't really see the need for it. You know, you're pretty, pretty independent. What I would challenge you with today is maybe you need to really start following Jesus. Because when we step out, and I would encourage you, step out and take a step that terrifies you, but you know is in line with God's work in the world. Because when you do that, you'll pray not because someone told you to. You'll pray because you will realize more and more and more how absolutely hopeless you are to continue Jesus' work in the world through your own power. Like, we can't do anything without Jesus. So you'll pray whenever you start to continue his work in the world, you'll pray because you'll, you'll realize, I can't do this. There's no way. And that's a good place to be. That's a place of dependence on God. So as we grow in our understanding of these things, of who we're talking to and why we can talk to and what our purpose is, I think alongside that grows this firsthand knowledge of the faithfulness of God. You'll know God is faithful, not because someone else told you, but because you'll have experienced yourself how faithful God is. And that's different than just hearing it from somebody else. So, so again, as we grow in those areas, we can grow in our understanding of, again, the faithfulness, the continual faithfulness of God, even when things don't seem good around us. But I'm going to call up the worship team. We'll actually uh, close down here. <clears throat> but there's one other maybe category of, of person or maybe feeling that we're experiencing that I haven't really talked to yet. <clears throat> maybe you have heard me talking about prayer, but you're already convinced, I don't think God hears me. And the reason you feel that way is because you very recently or maybe at some point in your life had an unanswered prayer or received the answer no to a prayer that just left you feeling crushed. Just absolutely crushed. And I want to point out that Jesus didn't just talk about praying. He didn't just talk about making requests to God. He himself prayed to the Father. He himself made requests. And one of the most notable requests that Jesus made was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he was crucified, Jesus said, 
Father, if there's any way to accomplish, this is me paraphrasing, if there's any way to accomplish your purpose in the world, of bringing salvation to the world without me having to take the full wrath that this world deserves for its sin, if there's any way to do it other than that, let's do it that way. But we know the story. The answer to that prayer was no. There's no other way. So Jesus was crucified, and he did take the full wrath of God in our place. And why I mention that is because if Jesus, who was perfect, could feel that way and pray that way and experience no to a prayer like that, then so can we. But what's notable about how Jesus prayed is how he ended that sentence. He said, but not my will, but yours be done. And what that means is he had true confidence in prayer because he trusted the Father and the plan the Father had, even when he couldn't see if it was really the best. And that's where we need to find ourselves as well, is trusting that the Father knows what's best, even whenever, you know, we might be asking for something that isn't the best. He will always give us what is best, and he won't give us what isn't best. So what I hope you take away from this isn't that you need to be really careful about what you ask God, and, you know, if you pray around each other, make sure you've filtered all your requests. But the confidence we can have when we know God is that good is that you can make every single request you have known to God and he will answer them based on what he knows, not based on what you know. He's not some vindictive genie who will be like, well, you asked for it and then you get whatever you ask for even though it's terrible for you. We can know that God's plan is best and he gives us what's best and he doesn't give us what's not. And we can know that not because I'm telling you that on a Sunday morning. We can know that because Jesus was willing to hear no to his request. He was willing to bear the wrath of the Father in your place and in my place so that we could have access to actually talk to God and actually bring our requests to him. And because we know he's that good, we don't have to just wonder, does he actually care about me? Is he actually going to do what's best? Once we know that he actually does have what's best in mind for us because of what we see Jesus do for us, then we can pray with confidence. But, but I also want to point out, Jesus being crucified wasn't the end of the story. There was also a resurrection. And that's how we can know that God's plan, even when it looks bad, still ends in victory for God. So when we understand our purpose to continue his work and bring him glory, we can pray with confidence, knowing that that will happen when one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, I, th I thank you that we can talk to you. I thank you that we have access uh, to just be before you as your children, which I don't think um, the weight of that really hits us as it should. But God, you are so good in your patience towards us. You are so good in the way that you uh, give us only what is best for us. God, help us to, to really believe, to really trust in your faithfulness and your goodness that we would see you as you really are and that we would know that the only reason we can talk to you is because of what you've done, not because of what we've done. Thank you for, for making us acceptable in your sight through Jesus. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.